Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky, here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, we're continuing a conversation we were having about what is it like joining a seminary? And we had had the conversation that you will be joining a team. And like any other team environment, there's some people who have been part of a team for longer. You know, if it takes at least six years to go from the beginning process to the end. So presumably you're going to have some guys who were in there for five years, some guys who were in there for three, so on and so forth. And while we're all moving towards the same objective, people are going to have different speeds throughout of it. Um, I'm sure that, you know, you think of it through anything else, you could be really good at one aspect of it, maybe stealing bases, but you're not really good at, you know, at the plate and you're chasing all kinds of wild pitches because you don't have the discipline yet. And you might have another guy who walks all the time because he has the greatest vision of all time, but he can't feel to fly ball. And all of these guys need to work together to be able to, to make a good baseball team. So, and, and you were getting into a little bit in the last episode about how that can come up. And I think it's only natural. So it's different in the fact that you guys aren't going out and going to play against someone else's baseball team. So there's not that overriding win at all cost element, but there is a group dynamic that I'm trying to, to articulate here that, you know, I'd like to, to discuss here. And then also at some point in this cast, just to put it out there, when people do discernment points, um, because I think that that also can be an intimidating thing, especially as the adage is that guys never like commitment. So to get into that, when are decisions actually made to kind of get those articulated here during this cast and also who, wherever else the, uh, the conversation will go. So with that being said, I hand the ball to you, Father. Okay, Joe. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Great, great points and great questions. Um, yeah, and in terms of uh, of working together, it's one of the things I do in one of my formation courses is have the guys take the Strengths Finder Index and our assessment and find out what some of their particular talents are, the way that the Lord made them, and give them a sense of who's going to be you know, naturally more talented at what. And, and they work that out in, in some ways studying for exams. Um, I remember when I was in seminary, one of my seminary classmates who had been a school teacher and very uh, bright guy, hard worker. And he, his own studying uh, mode, he would go over things a lot and kind of memorize them and, and work through them. And it was really helpful for him to just like try to articulate, regurgitate what he had studied for myself. I, uh, I like taking an input and I can take in things pretty quickly. And I, I would go, we'd study together the night before the exam and I would go pretty much unprepared he would reiterate his whole note, you know, all of his notes from memory, ask me questions. We would interact about it. That was really good for him. And I could basically take in what he was saying and kind of check it with him. And that was really good for me. And we both did great in seminary. <laughs> and neither of us could have done as well without each other, even though we did, you know, very, very different things. So those are the kinds of things we want people to discover and the kinds of things that 
we want them to practice. Um, we have several international students in our seminary. We have a couple of seminarians from Beijing in China. We have a couple of seminarians from Hanoi in Vietnam and um, a couple seminarians from South America, from Brazil and from Colombia. And those guys that speak English as a second language have some of their own challenges. Obviously, all the classes are in English. And so they find some ways to check notes with uh, guys that speak English as a first language to make sure they're getting the right things. They get help from uh, from brothers in terms of uh, studying for exams or understand, even understanding the model for exams. We have a pretty good idea of the kinds of exams we have in the United States. People from other countries are used to oral exams, are used to uh, different kinds of written exams, very different. You know, so that sort of helping each other out. Uh, so we're not in competition with each other. If we all got A's, if everybody got A's in their classes, we'd be delighted. And so we want them to help each other out like that. Sometimes they need motivation. Um, we have times of prayer together. So we pray, uh, we have mass together every day. We have uh, particular holy hours with Eucharistic adoration. We have times of praying the liturgy of the hours, morning prayer and evening prayer together. We have some guys that serve in the sacristy to set up for those things. We have guys that serve the liturgies as acolytes. We have readers and cantors. We have a little scola that sings together at some of those events and they have to work together to make that stuff happen. And they look out for each other. So if a guy is prone to sleeping through his alarm, you know, he finds a brother seminarian who will be willing to knock on his door. So we really want to foster that kind of teamwork, mutual support, helping each other out. And, and as formators, we notice when guys are doing that, we really appreciate guys using their gifts, you know, for some, it's really easy to get up early in the morning. For other guys, they have a hard time. Um, you know, for some guys, it's easy to, to plan a, a dinner together, a social gathering. We have those several times in the semester. For uh, other guys, it would be more challenging. They just, you know, putting it all together, inviting people or whatever. So we find out where guys can plug in and, and use their gifts and and help them in some cases where their weaknesses would be a real impediment for priesthood, try to at least uh, strengthen those areas. So it's a lot of good teamwork that goes on, mutual support. We have all the different years, you know, we have some who will be ordained this year, and we have some guys who will be ordained six years from now. And so we have all those guys living together and working together. And that also provides uh, the older guys, help to mentor the younger guys. And, and we really try to create a very loving and supportive environment so that we can foster lots of good and holy priests. That's uh, very much the model that's here. You mentioned, Joe, also the points of discernment. And certainly entering seminary is probably the, the biggest step in terms of like going from zero to 60. I mean, it's, it's a big shift when you uh, but before you enter seminary, there are a couple of ways to dip your toe into the water, and that's helpful. The first thing is to talk to the – every diocese has what's called a vocation director. And if you, if you look up on the diocesan webpage or you, know, you ask your parish priest or something, you start talking about uh, thinking about the priesthood, eventually you'll connect with one of the priests who is dedicated to that task. That's – what he does as his only job or as a main part of his 
current ministry in the diocese. He works with uh, guys who are discerning, who are thinking about becoming priests. And so you'd have a conversation with him, just kind of share, how did you come to this? What are you thinking about this? What, you know, just, just a normal conversation. It's very, uh, very friendly and easy and uh, really a blessing, I think, to have a chance to connect with someone like that. And so just talking with the vocation director, sharing what's going on in your life. And, and maybe he, he sees those uh, seeds of a vocation and, and he'll try to connect you up with somebody who can work with you more regularly, the spiritual director, maybe with your own parish priest, maybe with somebody else that he'd recommend, maybe with himself. And you'd want to kind of let this vocation mature a little bit. Do you have a regular prayer life? Uh, did you just have a kind of intense retreat experience and now, you know, it's stirred this thing that you haven't thought about in a long time? Um, maybe you already have a regular prayer life. Maybe you go to daily mass. Maybe you go to regular confession. Maybe your faith is really mature. So people come at all different levels of, of spiritual maturity in terms of asking these questions. So the vocation director helps to guide that and foster that vocation, get you connected with someone who can uh, work with you if you don't already have a person like that. And then eventually you'd say, gosh, I really want to try this out. Oh, and part of that process would be uh, the vocation director would give you a chance to visit a seminary, come and spend a weekend. You know, the vocation director would would help out with that. And so you get a chance to see what seminary is like to answer precisely the question that you asked Joe and that I'm trying to answer now, what, what is this weird thing that we call seminary? You know, what does that consist of? And so just having a chance to come in and be here for a day or for, for two days, go to classes, come to prayer, go to meals, be with the guys, ask questions. It's all just very organic. There's no secrets here. You know, if you don't know about it, it's not because we're trying to hide it from anyone. And so uh, it's very open to uh, give somebody a chance to just experience what that's like. And then eventually you come to a point that you say, I definitely want to take that step. I'm going to, you know, leave my job. I'm graduating from college. I'm not going to get another job. I'm going to go into seminary. And that, that would be an application to the diocese where you are or the diocese that you wanted to study for in, uh, to become a priest for. And so you would work with the vocation director. And uh, as part of that application, we always do a, a psychological evaluation, just very straightforward. Um, sometimes uh, things would, would emerge from that. Part of that is to address you know, what's been so in the news about the sex abuse crisis. We don't want to bring people into seminary who have a um, predisposition for pedophilia or something. Um, but also some other psychological things could be there that are good to come up, up you know, up front. Just because someone has some psychological stuff, uh, maybe a struggle with a little depression or uh, maybe is on medication for something else, maybe has some predisposition for uh, uh, for some particular struggles doesn't mean that you'd be rejected necessarily. There are certainly a number of things we can work with and sometimes psychology and uh, counseling can be a very fruitful part of seminary. We really help people to, to form people. So anyway, don't be intimidated by that, but 
psychological exam as part of that process. And, you know, your transcripts, if you went to college and your sacramental record, we want to make sure we're, uh, nobody has already been, uh, in, in a marriage, you know, or if that's, that that's in the, in the, the right place that everybody's been baptized and confirmed and, you know, want to make sure that all that is, uh, in the right place. So, um, that's the kind of the application process. Then the, the diocese has a vocation board. They discern the bishop ultimately makes the decision. A guy is accepted for seminary. And then the bishop works with the guy to say, well, which seminary now am I going to send you to? And, um, we would be one of that, the, the options at St. Vincent Seminary. Then you enter seminary, and really every year is a kind of, you know, you can leave at any time. Uh, there's there's nothing holding people in seminary. Uh, every year would be a particular time of discernment. Is this something you want to keep going forward with? And then there are steps. We have uh, instituted mem- ministries, ac- or lecture and acolyte. Ultimately, candidacy is a big step. That's really where you're making uh, a more firm commitment and saying, now things could come up. I'm not making a vow, but I'm really committing myself. This is where I see the Lord leading me. I've been through several years of seminary. I'm going to move forward. Then diaconate ordination as a deacon, that's a vow. So that's a firm commitment. That ordination is a is an irremovable sacrament. Once a deacon, always a deacon. The sacrament of holy orders is imprinted on us. Now, sometimes people can be dispensed from ministry or from the vows or something like that. Um, but but that's we're real serious at that point. That's really a point of no turning back. That, that sacrament marks us forever. And then uh, presumably, once someone is ordained a deacon, if they're moving toward priesthood, then they're ordained a priest the following year. And of course, that's, that's certainly also a permanent thing. Um, so a number of, of points of, of real serious discernment, both on the part of the candidate and on the part of the diocese. The diocese may decide, yeah, you know, you're not a good fit. You've got some limitations that we think are going to be too problematic. We've worked on something and we just don't think this is your call. And uh, so we, we'd rather, we're going to ask you to move on and and, and let you go. So uh, that discernment goes, goes both ways. That makes sense. You know, obviously you want to make sure that, you know, you're essentially the bishop's choosing who, who he's going to have working for him essentially. So one of the other thoughts that had come up there and this might be a total non-issue or it might be something, but it, it's definitely a concern that people have around college. And given that this isn't exactly like college, but, at the end of the day, how do you pay for it? Um, is is it covered by you going out and getting loans? Is it the grant system? You know, who pays for it? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. I love those kind of nuts and bolts questions. Um, in the United States, the standard is that the diocese pays for it. So, uh, and that's a lot of money. You know, it is, it is a college, you know, you can think of private college because we, we got to, you know, the formators need to eat and have a roof over our heads. So um, you're paying for that and the, the institution, the structure, all of this kind of stuff. So it's a serious investment that a diocese makes in a man as he moves him forward toward priesthood. 
Um, that's the standard in the United States. Different countries, that works different ways. Uh, I think it's still the case in Brazil, for example. I just know that because we have some connections with Brazil here, um, that the, the seminarian would pay for all or at least most of seminary. And that becomes problematic in some places because obviously not everybody has the money to afford six or eight years at the kinds of prices that, you know, you pay for a, a private college education. Um, and so you end up getting a, a kind of richer cast of seminarians, which can create some issues or you'd take out loans or something. But in the United States, the diocese pays for it. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Cause at the end of the day, I mean, everyone has their different motivations for everything, but most people go to college to try to get a well, high paying job. So therefore taking out a loan isn't a big deal, right? You don't go to become a priest to become rich. That's um, right. You're becoming rich in, in spirituality, not in currency. And it's a big difference. So therefore that, that's why I asked, because if, if you're coming out with student loans that are massive, it's like that, that would be a stress of your whole life that would never go away. So that that's a, it's a good idea that we're doing here. Um, yeah. You so, repay your seminary education through blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> and that makes sense. And, and you're also, you know, you're, you're, you're doing your job and, and, and having an element that doesn't need to exist, not exist, is a good idea in terms of the stress of paying everything back. So, and that would be similar to the military too, you know. Uh, a lot of times, even for those who are educated as officers, they get a full ride. The military – Colleges, you know, West Point, uh, the the uh, uh, Annapolis, the Naval Naval Academy. Those are those are all free tuition because you're going to pay back in service, and so it's kind of similar model to that. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. So I, I do like that you you told us what the starting point would be because we never bring that up. So <laughs> if you're out there and, and you're thinking about this. There's someone called a vocational director. Figure out who that is and just have a chat with them. You know, like I understand the point of calling to pray for more priests. Makes complete sense. And hopefully people understood where I was coming from here. Knowing what the steps are or some of the starting steps are vastly important because if not, it's great to know that this should happen, but to not know how doesn't necessarily help all that much so it's like i know i got to get to philadelphia no idea how <laughs> or i don't even know what the first steps are well figure out which way's east <laughs> start there <laughs> well and and just to reinforce uh really just talk to your parish priest so that would be the that would be the easiest thing because the parish priest knows who the vocation director is and how to connect you to him so our our immediate connection is always going to be through our own parish. Uh, now, for weird reasons, you're not in a parish or you're anyway, but the vocation director is ultimately the guy you have to talk to. But if you don't know how to reach him, at least talk to your parish priest. Yeah. And, you know, I know that some people find that a little bit intimidating that, you know, we go to confession all the time. He knows all these things about me or, or whatever. And people will put roadblocks in their heads and, you know, from having talked to you as many casts as we had, that it's a fear that's not real. It, it, it's something that's that if you have it in your head, it, it's not the way that it really is. 
in, in terms of it. And, uh, you know, just take the steps. If, if you're feeling the calling or, and it's not a commitment either. It's just a, a conversation. You know, most bulletins have his or the priest's email in it. We all have smartphones. Just send him a quick email one day and go from there. And, and it's it's certainly something that, as talking to you, you're infinitely glad of the decision that you made. Absolutely. And, yeah. <laughs> so it, you can see it. it. You think about all these stuff that I deal with about people not happy in their workplace. You very rarely see it with priests. So just for all those observations, tangential or not. Um, and sorry, I am going on a tangent right now as we're supposed to be wrapping up the episode. So, Father, if you have any last thoughts here as, as we conclude today's cast, uh, please share them. Uh, actually, just to reinforce what you just said, Joe, the I think it's the highest uh, percentage or highest index of happiness in any occupation is priesthood. So... There was a priest, Monsignor Stephen Rossetti, who did the the research on that a few years ago. I'd have to, uh, but anyway, yeah, it's uh, priests are are happy. It's a lot of jobs. Uh, highest level of job satisfaction. That's what it was in any occupation is in the priesthood. And if you really boil it down, it makes a whole lot of sense. You know, you're you're every day strengthening your spirit um, in one format or another, and there's. A lot to that. We all have different motivations, but as we've discussed many times, that's the the highest calling. So with that being said, we thank everyone for listening. Uh, please share the cast, especially if these last two, if you know anyone who might be thinking about this, well, we've made this to be kind of a stepping stone that spend 20 minutes two times and kind of see if it would help. So we thank everyone for listening. We'll be here with you again next week, and we'll talk to you then.